Since you've been diagnosed with breast cancer, have you looked at yourself in the mirror and said, why did this happen to me? Well, you're not alone. I did too. But this is a time when you're given two choices. One, you let those four nasty words that you've been told, you have breast cancer, stop us from living. Or two, we can take what we've been given to us and use it as fuel on our path to healing, growth, self-discovery, and to bring out the best of us and become the hero of our journey while we get to inspire others to do the same. Join my inspiring guests and me on our mission to help women just like you with what we discovered on our hero's journey through breast cancer. This is a place where we share all the tools and knowledge we've learned to develop the courage, resilience, mindset and self-love needed to start living your full life like you might never have done before. I am Grace DeAngeli and I welcome you to Breast Cancer Hero's Journey Podcast. Welcome home. Welcome everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. Now, the reason I do these podcasts is, as you guys know, I like to find people out there that have had, you know, cancer, survived it, thrived, you know, built a life, but also realized what was really important to them. So my guest today is Laurie Tesney, who lives, who comes to us from Florida, lives on her boat, which is amazing. Um, Now, Laurie has the adversity to live, to lead a life with more purpose and focus on what really truly matters. Mindset has been a key player in her journey and how she kept it positive throughout her challenges. Now, she's a two-time melanoma cancer survivor. She's also a sailor and she has her own podcast, Sailing Through Life. Having said all of this, welcome, Laurie. Welcome. Thank you so much, Grace. Thank you for having me here today. Uh, So we had a quick chat before and we're having a laugh about things like that. So let's get started, I guess, of, you know, I, you know, let's tell our viewers and our listeners, you're on a boat, you're obviously a sailor. So start us with that part a bit and then get us into being diagnosed with melanoma, how you found out and what you had to go through. Sure, absolutely. Um, I've always been a sailor. It's been a long time thing. I started back when I was in elementary school. Uh, My best friend lived next door and her dad built a little sailboat. And I remember going out on the sailboat in the summers. We would pack up our little book bags full of things to do. And he would sail around in the little lake and we'd be down below doing our thing. And we got older. Um, We did sailing around on little sailfish. Um, just learning the techniques and understanding things. So it's been something innate and it's something that's kind of actually ironic that I'm the only one in my family that does anything on water. (laughs) And so this was something, I don't know where it came from. There's not any sailing history in my family, Mm. Uh, but it was just, it was a, a neat experience to have. And that's one of those cool memories that I do have is that summertime being on a boat and just moving around with the wind. Um, I didn't quite understand it the same way I do now, obviously, mm. but I did appreciate the simplicity of it and how how much energy there was in something so simple as the wind. So that was something that's kind of been in and out of my life as I've gone through life. And, um, you know, 
life takes you in different directions and and mm. so you kind of you kind of follow those different paths but it would be almost like as soon as I got far enough away from it, it would, I would make my way back. So that's always been something that's a part of me. And um, my family doesn't understand it, obviously, because nobody else does it, but um, they, they, they understand me doing it. And that's the Mm -hmm. neat thing is they, they've come to appreciate how much this meant to me to do this part of my life. And um, even though we've been separated because of this new adventure, I, I really believe they're seeing how this all plays out and, and why it was so important. So, mm. but yeah, well, how I got here, that's a whole nother fun story. Mm. <laughs> um, you, when you get diagnosed with cancer or you have something traumatic happen in mm-hmm. your life, uh, you really get into yourself and really try to figure out what is so important that if you did nothing else that you wanted to make sure you che- you would check off. And it was something that was planned for in the future. But when you get to the point where you aren't, aren't sure what your future holds, you expedite mm-hmm. that. And that's pretty much what happened. So previous to being on the boat, I was um, working in a funeral home. I worked, I managed a number of funeral homes and saw a lot of trauma and drama and really just the heartache that, that people were suffering, um, when, when they were in there and, and I did everything I could. So there's, there's something innate in, um, my genetics with my whole family being in a giving industry, whether it be a medical field or support services, um, we all have that something gene in ourselves. And mm. so, you know, for me to be in the funeral industry kind of followed suit with attending to people and helping people, being compassionate, trying to give whatever you could to help somebody through a tough time. And so I'm working in this funeral home and, um, you know, I just loved the water. I was out on the, you know, summertime out on the boat doing our thing, had family come out and, um, my mom being a retired nurse, um, said something about a spot on my leg and mm-hmm. I said, Oh, it's a mole. I was just doing stuff on the boat and, you know, they call them boat kisses for a reason because mm-hmm. you, you tend to hit a lot of things because of the just logistics of getting from one point to another. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she said, yeah, it doesn't look right. And I said, well, I bumped it. It's just, you know, it's trying to heal. And she just did the head shake and said, no, go get it checked out. So mm-hmm. I went ahead and, and scheduled an appointment with a dermatologist to have it looked at. And that was in August of 2017. And I remember walking into the room and started looking at all the walls in the uh, exam room mm-hmm. and all the posters of skin cancers and different things and what things to look for. And even though I really didn't see something exactly to what I had, I also got a really bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. And mm. I tried not to make it anything. I was like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And so the dermatologist came in. He looked at it. He said, yeah, I'm not really sure. We're just going to do a biopsy, see what's going on. Now, mind you, this is a mole that's smaller than the uh, pencil eraser mm. on the side of my left leg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
when he went, he said, we're just going to biopsy it. He took that section out of my leg and it was almost the size of a nickel. Wow. Section. And I thought, mm. this is really bad. I mean, this mm. isn't like they're just going to cut the top off and, you know, move on. And so there was, a, you know, I was in shock a little bit that, that that's what happened. Um, I went back to work. No, again, I'm going back to a funeral home mm-hmm. and everybody mm-hmm. I work with is, ex- you know, expressing you're going to be fine. I mean, they do this stuff all the time. People have these things and, and it's no big deal. And I even looked at one coworker and I said, I've got such a bad feeling. I'm almost sick to my stomach right now. Mm. And so they're like, oh, no, no, you're going to be fine. So fast forward a couple of days busy day at work, answering phones, talking to families, dealing with a lot of grief and and emotions. And my phone rang and I'm like, oh boy, you know, something happened with a parent or sibling. And and Mm -hmm. so I looked down and I saw the number and it was the the dermatologist calling. So Mm -hmm. I excused myself, went in the back um, in a private office and answered the call. And I always use this reference because I can't think of any other way to explain it, but it sounded like the teacher in Charlie Brown, that was Mm. that mumbly sound. And in the middle of all that, I heard malignant melanoma. Mm. And I, I froze. I froze. I was in shock. I just found out I had cancer and I had no idea what it meant because Mm. There was no real history. We didn't have any real reference mm-hmm. to anything mm-hmm. like that in our mm-hmm. family. So that's that. I mean, that was the start of this new phase of my life. And I, you know, I've learned a lot since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely been a, a big challenge for me. So, mm. well, yeah. with that, just, you know, um, <clears throat> just. So you're being diagnosed with melanoma. Now it's different to obviously someone who's being diagnosed with, um, you know, prostate cancer or breast cancer or any other cancer. Um, so what are the, what's the protocol? What did you have to do? Was there like, do you do chemo? Do you do radiation? Do you do any of that sort of stuff? Because uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of asking for the first time myself. Sure. Uh, so what's the protocol for that? So as soon as I got off that phone call with the dermatologist, he gave me the name of a a surgical oncologist and Mm -hmm. they got me in there within days. And within seven days I had surgery. And what they did was they took, it was a wide excision. It was a, I'm going to say maybe a four inch incision and all the way down in to try to get clear margins out of that. Plus Mm -hmm. they also went in and took lymph nodes. They did a, a drug that was radioactive, injected it into the site where the original mole was, um, and had me lay on a, a metal plate and it lit up the lymph system. Mm. It, and it, the first lymph node that lit up is called the Sentinel. Mm-hmm. And that is the one that they went in, they took that one and a couple others. And, and that was the first part of it. Um, and so that surgery was going to determine the staging of the melanoma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that's when mm-hmm. I found out I was stage 3B. So mm-hmm. not only do you find out you have cancer, but now you're a stage 3 cancer mm-hmm. patient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Within, I would say, another week after that, I was meeting with a medical oncologist. Um, melanoma, from my understanding, doesn't have a real good relationship with chemo. That Those two don't really go together. Okay. But yep. immunotherapy 
is the direction they go. And okay. there's been a lot, a, a lot of research on different treatments for melanoma with immunotherapy. When I was diagnosed and when I finally met with that doctor, just I want to say a week or so before that appointment, the FDA just approved a, a new drug. And mm. they had me lined up to do something different, but the oncologist felt it was important to see because of what my reading, the diagnosis and all the, the information that they had. Um, he said, this, we're gonna, this is going to be the, probably the best way to go. And when you get into a stage three diagnosis with melanoma, I know when we, I was originally diagnosed, I was told 60 to 66% chance of, of survival mm. rate at five years, which... It could have been a lot worse, but that's mm. very sobering in that moment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to think, and I'm still not at five years yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we decided to do this. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, I, they scheduled the appointment to have the port put in and I could just got home from having that, that procedure done. And I got a call from the cancer center saying they couldn't do the treatment because oh. insurance had denied it. And I was like, we're going to do this treatment because I just went through <laughs> getting this Everything. procedure done <laughs> yeah. and all yeah. this stuff done. And and this is serious. It's a stage three mm. diagnosis. Mm -hmm. But um, so we finally got that worked out. But I was in there for a year, every two, two or every, yeah, every two weeks for a year, I went in for an infusion. Wow. And, you know, because it was recently approved, there's still a lot of things that they have to look for, side effects and reactions to the medication. So I was under a watchful eye every time I went in for transfusion or an infusion, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And, um, yep. and so it was a learning curve for me to go into a cancer center when I looked and felt fine. And I'm looking at people who look really sick and everybody's mm -hmm. looking at me like, why are you here? Yeah. Um, there was a lot of psychological things that happened with this diagnosis. Um, and I do recall the one thing that happened that was almost kind of symbolic. There was a gentleman sitting across from me and he asked what I was in there for. And we were talking and I was telling him my diagnosis and he said, yeah, I thought I was going to be in your shoes one day, you know, one day back in the past when I was first diagnosed and here I am second time around. And I'm like, well, that's not going to happen to me. I got this new approved drug and everything's going to be awesome. And I'm going to get through this. And I did with mm. very few side effects. I mean, just some minor things, but um, it was, it was one of those things at the end of that, I was so glad I made it through. I did, you know, with flying colors, I rang the bell. Everything was amazing. So that was October of, of 2018. In November, I had a PET scan done. And everything was clear. Mm -hmm. December, I got the port out, which we were not friends. I did not like mm -hmm. that thing. And it didn't <laughs> like me very much either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, January 7th of 2019, so this is weeks later, I was getting ready for work and leaned against the, the counter as I was putting on my makeup. And my leg was sore. And I'm like, what the heck? And when I reached down, I felt a lump. And I'm going to oh. tell you, I fell on the floor and immediately knew this was bad. Mm. So I called the uh, surgical oncologist and and told her, you know, what I was, what was going on. They got me in that day, did a biopsy, and you know how 
the wait seems forever. Yeah, forever. <laughs> and yeah, in the does. meantime, in the back of our minds, we're thinking, I just had this groundbreaking immunotherapy and I'm back to square one. And mm. so the fear was different from the first time. The fear of the first time was the unknowns, what mm -hmm. to expect. Mm -hmm. You have mm -hmm. no idea all the, you know, all the information that you're gathering, this whole process that you go through when you're getting treatment, it's all new. Yeah. When you hear it's a second time, that's different. Now you're afraid that how bad is this, that it didn't respond to the miracle drug. Mm. And so mm -hmm. you go through a whole mm -hmm. different layer of, thoughts on this yeah so we had planned and had postponed for many years a honeymoon trip mm -hmm. and we had just paid for everything because i got the all clear so we paid mm -hmm. for our trip and had everything scheduled to to go and um they said we need to get you back into surgery and i thought how am i going to do this so they they fast forward a lot of stuff and got me in there. So I had time to recover before our actual trip was, mm -hmm, was scheduled. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I went through the, the surgery and the recovery and I, it was a long flight. And when I got back, I found out I had lymphedema because of the second surgery and oh, wow. the lymph nodes they took. So my left leg and trunk are, you know, are susceptible to, to lymphedema now because of just that whole, that's, it's pretty invasive. Yeah, and even though they yeah. didn't do a lot, it was just yeah. enough that, that mm. it, it, you know, got in, it interfered with that. Um, so as soon as I got back, I was, I was going from, you know, making appointments with other doctors, getting second opinions on how we were going to approach this. They wanted to at least get in there with the surgery and, and buy some time. And uh, so through conversations and even the second opinion talking to my original oncologist and there because nobody knew what to do there wasn't mm. anything that said if if it, this fails you do this mm -hmm, at that time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i was a guinea pig when it came to how to address what to do with this this new round of of melanoma and so we ended up doing a second immunotherapy treatment and that went fairly well. It was a full, well, another full year. So this is almost within two and a half years, two years of treatment mm. back to back. And um, it was every three weeks I was going in for that treatment. And I noticed my hair started falling out, even though immunotherapy doesn't have the same side effects, mm. the mm -hmm. chemo. Mm -hmm. um, immunotherapy reacts differently with your system than chemo. Chemo comes in, does what it does, and then it's gone. Immunotherapy yeah. reprograms how your immune system works and it mm. stays. So it's an ongoing thing. And mm -hmm. so there's a lot more monitoring long-term to understand how immunotherapy is affecting your body. And yeah. what it's doing is taking the brakes off your immune system. So if your immune system sees something and says, oh, no, never mind." That's just their liver. It's good. You're, you know, don't mm. worry about it. It questions itself and then starts attacking. So it can attack right. things that aren't oh, necessarily wow. cancer. So there yeah. are things that they do have to monitor with that. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But the thing, you know, that that came full circle recently, which is something I suspected back when it was happening, was the hair loss. And then it was growing back and it was growing back white. 
Mm. So it was, and, and I noticed like patches of my face were turning white. So I was losing mm. the pigment, which to me meant a good thing because that meant it, the, the immunotherapy was attacking the melanocytes, which that's the pigment in your skin. That's the part that turns into cancer. So it was looking for things to attack. Um, mm. And so, yeah, the top of my head, the sides of my face. And, and so there were different things that I, you know, was having to deal with, but going through hair loss and things that you weren't anticipating because you're not getting chemo was another yeah. interesting thing to work through, mm. especially when you're working in an industry where people don't want to see sick people anymore because they've just yeah. lost a family member. And so I had to put on a whole nother layer of perfection in, mm. in people's eyes, so I, you know, with the wigs and everything else. And, and there were days where I had to push myself to get through a day. Um, there were days that I was emotionally drained dealing with emotionally drained people and all the emotions. And I never took a break between mm. that first diagnosis and the second one I worked unless mm. I was recovering from surgery and had to be on bed rest, I yeah. was going to work. And mm. I don't know if any of that had a, was a, a factor in why it came back so fast. If the stress mm. of what I was doing and knowing that I had to go to work because my insurance was through my employment, um, mm. there's a catch 22 there when you're going to work to have the insurance, but you're getting sick because you're going to work because you need the insurance. And yeah. it got to be that, yeah. like, where, where did all this happen? And, um, and so, yeah, that second time around, um, really took its toll on me. And I noticed that the longer time went on, the, the harder it got to be still focused on what I needed to do because I was getting drained and I think my body was fatigued mm. and going through a lot of, you know, a lot of chemicals are going on now inside mm -hmm, of mm -hmm, me. And, mm -hmm. and there's not a whole lot to compare. It wasn't like there was somebody else that had the same treatment and everybody reacts differently to everything yeah. anyway. So it's really mm. hard to get feedback on, should I feel this way? You know, nobody could really answer those questions. Yeah. Mm. So there was a lot of unknowns there. Um, but yeah, I would say as that time went on and, you know, I, I was going through this treatment, I, I started to notice that it was different. And so I completed treatment in February of 2020. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> we decided we were going to do a, a nice vacation to get away and mm -hmm. just have some calm time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> it was the dream vacation. I've always wanted to yeah. go to Greece. It's been on my bucket nice. list. I really yeah. wanted to go. We had a, a sailboat charter out there and we were going to sail around the islands. And um, yeah, that didn't go so well. Uh, <laughs> as soon as March hit, we were like, cancel that. Yeah. Um, so that's what I meant. You know, how did that go? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we ended up, we had a, a sailboat. Um, mm -hmm. on the local lake and mm -hmm. we ended up taking it up to the Great Lakes just to have a, a different feeling for our experience yeah. mm -hmm. and really enjoyed going around the Great Lakes. There's little islands up there. So we kind of made it our own little thing um, yeah. and got us through that summer. And the more I went on with time, I, the more I started thinking, 
you know, this is such an unusual experience, especially for my family. They, they're trying to help me through this. They don't understand. I don't understand. And I don't think you think very clearly when you're going through a situation mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. There could mm-hmm. be a million things out there for you, but none of them were presented to me. None of nothing yes. was put in front of me and said, you need to call these people if you need help or somebody mm. to direct. It was just felt like, and, and I know part of it's me. I want to fix things myself. I have, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't really go outside of myself very often to, to ask for help. And so I think between those two things, that's when I started to realize I needed to step outside of myself and, and see what support was available. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that summer I started to feel like my story meant something. And if, there was anything I could do because of my experience working in the funeral industry, because of growing up in the atmosphere of people wanting to help. Um, there was a way for me to share this to help other people. And mm. that's when the podcast was being developed was that summer on the lake doing our thing. And in the back of my mind, I started thinking, what would I do? How would I do it? Who would I appeal to? And I started really fine tuning what I wanted to accomplish with that. And that's how that came to be. So. Wow. So that's, it's just, thank you for sharing that because like, you know, that's that we, we, you know, the reason I wanted to is because as I said, I want our listeners and our viewers to understand, you know, that melanoma is, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's just a skin cancer. Mm. It's a deadly cancer just as much as anything else. Yes. I dealt a lot with, you know, people saying, oh, don't they just cut that off and you're fine? Mm, Yeah. And and it's, it is so not that. It is so not that, you know, is, is, you know, for me to think that something so tiny from another part of my body ended up in lymph nodes in my groin Mm -hmm. and, you know, Mm -hmm. and now the, the fear of everything is there, your abdominal, all your organs, and, and, and then eventually your brain is mm-hmm. where melanoma wants to go. And yeah. so, you know, when I first started that, um, that second round of treatment, um, that I ended up having uh, some sort of reaction to something. And I ended up ha- just passing out when they were starting, you know, to do the uh, treatment and ended up in the ER and all sorts of scans and everything just to see what was going on. Cause they thought maybe it had gone to my brain. And, yeah. you know, those little moments, even though I walked away with it and everything was okay, I can tell you that the, the fear that goes through your mind and you don't want to even want to go there because you don't, you don't want to be focused on that. But I'm going to tell you when you're falling, you're, you're sitting there and you're like, I don't feel very good. And the next thing you know, you're in an ambulance and, and all sorts of things go through your mind Absolutely. in a very quick time frame. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to know that you're that sick. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I just think it's always been a lot of catch up on the emotional side of it because I didn't have the traditional reaction. You know, people would see mm-hmm. somebody that's going through cancer and had, they have this image in their mind. That's not what I presented. And so yeah. it was very hard for people to understand how serious it was because mm-hmm. I went into mm-hmm. work and I tried to look the way I did before all this happened. I tried to have yeah. keep my professional life professional and, and I didn't take off time as much as I should have. I even worked mm-hmm. from home, try to keep things going, you know, and to keep myself busy. I think a lot of it was just to 
keep things normal, so to speak, and just keep on with what I was already doing because I wanted my life back. I knew it was different. I was never going to have that life again. And I was, Mm. I wanted it so bad to be that. And it never was going to be that again. Um, Mm. And so, you know, once, once the pandemic started, um, we, we started really trying to figure out how we could, you know, speed things up, expedite this whole experience of what we wanted to do, um, having it as, you know, coming around a second time, a second diagnosis, um, that really put some emphasis on how, how fast do we want to do this and how, how can we do it? So there's a lot of brainstorming behind that. And I was very fortunate that my husband was able to find a way to continue working and provide those benefits for me so I could actually step outside of the workforce for a little bit and just kind of hone back in on what's important for me right now. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, and, and that's the thing with, um, you know, and, and we're going to touch on that now because, you know, we go through the physical side of things, but people don't realize there's the emotional, psychological, spiritual, all of that side yep. that we, we, we aren't, we're not, we're not the, the best thing you said was that um you know that it's basically a lot of a lot of guests that I've had cuz I you know in my condition I didn't do chemo or radiation so what happens is a lot of people would say you know oh I go and do the medical side and let's see you later and it's like well hang on a minute now I've got a bag of emotions of psychological stuff how do I deal with that yeah. and the support system isn't there um, or like you said it's something that's new that um, you weren't addressing now for me and and I've shared it many times is the first thing my husband I have to admit it was his idea he the, the moment I got diagnosed he said Grace you need to put a dream team together and it was a group of people in my immediate family and friends mm-hmm. that we were going to sit around and we were going to dissect what it meant to have been diagnosed where can we go what can we do what support is out there what's uh you know help is out there what do you do things like that um nowadays I know that you know and that's the one thing I say to people don't I, I always say disclaimer don't do what I did but make sure yeah you get you know because I always yeah. say like it's I'm not going to sit here and go don't do chemo radiation I'm not about that in my situation it was different, but mm-hmm. also, um, but I always say there's so much out there. Make sure you do your research. There yeah. is so much out there. It doesn't mean that you have to go and heal with the sun. You can do chemo, but at the same time, say um, there's a there's a juice you should drink and it's really good for your immune system, or you should do a particular, you know, oncologist tablet or you know uh, infusion Mm -hmm. and in the same time you can heal this side but a lot of people what they don't speak about is the emotional side is the psychological side and I'm sure for you it made you like you said you realize hang on a minute this is not just about my body physically yeah what's going on what's going on for Laurie what is happening um in my case I saw it as a wake-up call you know, um, was I surprised I had cancer? Yes. Was I surprised I had cancer? No. So it was a wake up call for me. So mm-hmm. I see it as that. And what I mean by wake up call, I don't want anyone to have this wake up call, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but for you, what was happening in your life prior? Can you see that something like this was a blessing? It happened 
for you, not to you. It happened for you. It's a blessing in disguise. And a lot of people think, how can cancer be a blessing? It is because whether it's a short term or whether it's a long term, you get to make things right for yourself. Mm-hmm. So in your case, what was Laurie going through before and what did you sort of shift after? Well, to, to be honest, um, I had gone through a pretty traumatic event about six, seven years prior to that. And I believe that that part of that event led to all this happening. I think when you don't process things completely, when you don't work through a situation and it is something very traumatic, it does take its toll. You may think psychologically that you've gotten through it and you've survived it, but if you don't deal with it in a whole way, there are after effects that show up physically. And I can tell you even now, I am having after effects of what happened back in 2017 mm-hmm. and 2019. There's ripples that it's it's like they say, when you throw a pebble in a pond, mm-hmm. you're going to see, you're first going to see that first ripple, then you're going to see the next one, then you're going to see the next one. And you have to understand what that is. And the hard part for me is the high drive. I'm, I'm very driven to do things. I am very um, creative. I like getting involved in projects and learning and all sorts of stuff. But I can do that to a detriment sometimes where you don't address issues. But you, you know, you're trying to make progress, but you're not doing it with the right things. And um, I've, I've had to learn a lot of that. And I think what everybody experienced when COVID hit and they're working from home, I was going to work every day. I didn't have work from home time to, to go through that, that, like I say, you're, you're in the, the uh, engine of a train and you stop and all the cars are now stacking up behind you and all the things that were behind you are catching up. Um, So going from this transition of working long hours and being in a very emotional draining environment, very stressful environment, coming off of a traumatic event um, and then stopping Mm. and being in a peaceful environment that there's a lot of solitude in. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that backlash that <laughs> those cars are now coming one after yeah. another. And it's mm-hmm. been it's been therapeutic for me to have things in place now that I didn't know about before. Uh, it's been a blessing for me to have the podcast because now mm-hmm. I have connections to people that I didn't know before all this happened that I've met since that have either gone through it or are professionals in areas that help people through it. And so it's been a nice balance that I've been able to work out to have that support system. It's unconventional Mm. probably, but it still helped me understand that anything I'm going through is not abnormal. I mean, it's, you, you can only do so much. And I think I've been a great example to everybody that I know of, what resilience looks like, what strength Mm. looks like, what perseverance looks like, because I, as much as I got knocked down, 
I never stayed down for long. I got back yeah. up and I figured out what to do with it. And, and this podcast would have never happened had I not been going out to this the lake to sail. And we started the making the videos so our parents could see, you know, what we're doing on this boat because they were older and they weren't able to go out on the boat, nor did they really want to because they didn't want to get sick. But we, we started doing this. And because I was doing these little videos and doing voiceover and it was so, it was so sweet. My sister actually commented, she's like, you should do meditation tapes. Your voice is so calming when you talk to people yeah. and you, you're doing this. And, you know, and I started thinking, what could I do with how I talk? And a lot of that I'm sure was programmed from answering a phone at a funeral home <laughs> and having a certain tone to your voice. And it's very reassuring. Yes. And, um, and I thought, well, I got some on the job training, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so that's how that whole thing transitioned into having a podcast. And, you know, this, this is not a great experience. And I know I, it's not the worst case scenario, it, but it's not the best case scenario mm -hmm. either. And mm -hmm. um, it's been very sobering for my family to see how, how much this has affected me. And since my diagnosis, other family members have now been diagnosed with different degrees of skin cancer. And, oh. and just, and re most recently, um, you know, somebody was diagnosed with melanoma. And so it, it's gotten very real with our family yeah. that this has happened to me. And so now we're starting to see the genetics, why it happened to me before people that are older than me. I, I mean, I, I don't know how that all works, but mm -hmm. obviously I was given this to, to make something of it. I'm, I was given this as a, as a way to refocus on what my life was about what was important and what I could do to, to do more. So mm. it's an unconventional way to keep doing what I've always done, but I also feel it's, it's something that's, that's been handed to me and I'm making the best I can out of it to, um, to help other people. So mm. I always, we, well, not, it's not my saying, but I do always use it. Your mess becomes your message. Yes. And I always say that we're here to be of service to others in life. You know, like when someone says, what makes you happy? And it, the answer is serving others. When we mm -hmm. say serving others, when you see others happy and you don't want anything in return, that's what makes you happy. So we're at service. And I always say that, you know, if you've got something to share, it's best that you share it with everyone. Because, you know, like you said, not everyone knows what to go through in that situation. Like, mm -hmm. you know, in my situation, not everyone, I didn't know either. You know, it's a first, was it the first time in my family, I became the fifth member of my family. Mm -hmm. However, having said that, we're not in the bracket, we're not in the genetics, it just happens to be we're a large family of women. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. So, but you know what I mean? But it's in that sense. It's like, okay, well, you know what? I, I need to tell people. But at the same time, you telling others is you healing yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, so you go through that beautiful healing of yourself. And like you said, you're going to go through the ups and downs. You know, things are going to come around the corner. And I remember, um, I remember probably about a year ago, I think it was, where my husband actually, I broke down. And it was crazy because when I got the all clear, um, I was like, gun ho yep, 
I'm good. Let's let's get forward, you know. And yep. like you said, I looked like this. So when I and, and you know, there's a funny story about my hair because it was bad timing. Um, but I cut my hair because I was suffering psoriasis and all of that. That when I told people I had cancer, they thought, oh, it's that's why you cut your hair. And I'm like, oh no, nah, bad timing. But anyway, so I was going forward like no one knew I was sick. Mm-hmm. I was I was very much in the strength of it all, uh, you know, being strong for myself, being there for me, you know, learning how to deal with things and things like that. And then about a year later, or, well, a year ago actually, because I was diagnosed in 2018, I broke down. Mm-hmm. And I remember my husband saying to me, Grace, I need you to look at this. When I got the all clear, Grace, I need you to deal with this now. I need you to really look at what you've just gone through. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, of course I did. I went through it. Of course I did, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. And then last year I had the breakdown. It was like, (gasps) and he said, I told you, because if you don't deal with things, they come back. And the Mm -hmm. thing is, I always say to people, you know, I had a really bad, um, when I say a bad childhood, it's made me who I am today. So I am thankful but I was in a childhood where my father used to beat us physically um, until I was the age of 29. But I forgave my father. My father just recently passed away in February this year. But the moment he passed, I was at peace with the whole thing. Because why? Because I worked on things. Mm -hmm. I started to dig deep and started to get things out. Oh, this doesn't serve me. Let me deal with it. Right. Are there more? Of course it is. I'm not completely healed. I will never be completely then I went through the fear for two years I went through fear that it that that would have killed me before the cancer did like Mm -hmm. it had me by the throat yeah um so I couldn't do anything I wouldn't book this podcast I wouldn't book anything a week a week in the future or two weeks that's how bad it was you know I I, because I was scared I was going to die so I wouldn't book anything. No, I don't know. I can't be. I don't know. I've always wanted to do Halloween. I know it's very big in the US. Yes. I love Halloween. And it was like, no, I'm not doing Halloween because last year around this time I got diagnosed, so I'm not doing mm-hmm. Halloween. So it's like, well, that was last year. Why are you still living there? So it was just dealing with yeah. that whole process. And it is tough. No one. Like I say to my husband, and I don't mean it in a in a bad way, unless you're got told that you had cancer, you don't know what it's like. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and the thing is, it's like now, now this month I'm due for my yearly, you know? So what happens is I start getting into that motion and I try not to. Mm-hmm. I try not because it suffocates me. But the good thing about it is, like you said, when um my doctor's well known here in Melbourne that you get the test done and that same day you get the results with her. So mm-hmm. it's great. So at least it's that. But, you know, it's the leading up. Like if, you know, last time I did a podcast, they rang me while I was doing a podcast and then I rang back and it was like, oh, by the way, in two weeks you're going to come. So for two weeks I go into this meltdown. Yep. Spiral. You know, spiral. And I try not to, but it's part yeah. of it. It's part yeah, of it. It is. How- dealing with it but now I want to get into them the name sailing through life and we were talking about this just before and I was reading about 
uh, you know, a little bit about you and things like that. And you were talking about sailing. Now, one thing actually, now I'm going to misquote it, but one lady that I spoke to who was diagnosed with cancer, her, her sister was a sailor and she made a point. She told her something about being a sailor. And it was basically to say when things get rough, you got to do something. You know what I mean? Right. There's a thing you got to do. You know, you can't fight it. You mm -hmm. just got to embrace it and go through it. And I thought that is so good. So I, I guess you could tell me what that is because I, I, like I said, I can't remember, but I thought it was just so good because it's not about running the other way. When you're in the ocean, we were talking about mother nature. She can mm -hmm. nourish you but she can show you how rough she can get. And in that moment where you're going to go through that rough seat, you're not going, oh, let's call it a day. I'm just going to just get off. Yeah. I'm just going to get off now. I'm in the middle of nowhere. It's probably going to take me three days for land. But, hey, I'm just going to get out of here now. It's a matter of how you go through that time. So I really love the way you your podcast, Sailing Through Life, because like we all say, sailing isn't always you know, blue skies and flat waves and just, you know, clear sunshine and everything's, you know, birds are flying past you, <laughs> whatever, you know, it's not. So no. tell us about that. So how did you come across the, or how did you come about the name Sailing Through Life? I think it was just one of those inspirational moments. I, I think I was just thinking of what I wanted to call a podcast. And that was the first thing that popped into my head. And I tried to find different variations of it because I was concerned that people might think it's all about cruising or sailing your boat. And and I, I really stuck to my guns with sailing through life, a journey to health, happiness, and living your dreams. And that is what I, I mean, it's my story. It is my yeah. story. And it's, it's other people's stories that everybody deserves to have a voice. So if you don't have a podcast and you want to be a guest and share your story, you have a platform to do that. Mm -hmm. But the sailing through life meant a lot of things to me. You know, the sailing, like you're saying, you don't get to decide sometimes how to handle situations. You get to react to them, but you ha you don't get to decide what's, the, what's going on around you. And it was interesting when I finished my treatment at the cancer center, they had the ceiling tiles that you could, you could take a ceiling tile home and you could decorate it. And the whole treatment area of that, that wing were all the tiles of all the patients that had had treatment there. And each one was decorated individually. So of course, you know, me being creative and having the sailing thing, I did this dimensional sailboat and I created waves and I painted this whole beautiful sunset. And in the bottom was the quote that really got me through was you can't you can't change the wind but you can adjust your sail so regardless of what's going on you have the opportunity to react to that and make it the best you can yeah. and and so these metaphors started coming through of all the sailing terms and and I started realizing people in conversation just dropping nautical phrases and terms of <laughs> of different things and I thought people say these things in everyday life and they do have a different meaning they have a meaning in the sailing world but they also have a meaning for everyday mm -hmm. life Absolutely. and um 
I started really incorporating some of these ideas and, and the, then the titles of the episodes started to become these different phrases and every guest had a different theme and what theme would match, best match with some of these phrases. Mm. And so it became like this whole creative thing that happened uh, with the podcast. And I just, I feel so grateful that I have had this experience and that I can actually combine these two things. And I know the hardest part for my family is when you're dealing with skin cancer and then you're living in Florida on the water. Call <laughs> <laughs> it a day. <laughs> Go and live in a cave. <laughs> but I, you know, and then I think about it. I yeah. grew up in, 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 you know, off, mm. off of Lake Erie and I'm thinking summers were short and you did what you could in the summertime. And people are still getting melanoma. So, I mean, Absolutely. it just, there's more cautious approach to how I live my life and the mm -hmm. exposure that I do have. But um, yeah, the sailing obviously is, is something that um, you can be challenged, but at the same time, you can experience the most peaceful, serene, powerful moment in total mm. silence. I mean, just just total silence and all you hear is the water on the hull and you can just be coasting along and you realize how small you are in the whole world and at the same time how yeah. powerful you are that you've harnessed that and used it to get you moving forward mm -hmm. to get through it so like you were saying, you have to go through things. So now I am sailing through life. I'm not sailing around it. I'm not getting off at the first port and, and abandoning ship. I am sailing through it. And some days I get more storms than I ever can ask for. And other days I get the sunshine and the birds and the dolphins and, and all that. But it's definitely a parallel to what life is in, in general. And I think that's that was the whole core foundation of this whole project was it's it's an actual reflection of what I'm dealing with. So but you know take us through you know and I and I know it's we're going to use it as a metaphor but it's what you would have physically gone through but how someone who's going through a trauma or going through something like this could use that metaphor and like I was saying before you know you could be in a situation where like you said it's blissful it's just serene you're just listening to the water it's just so perfect how much mother nature can swallow you up but she can give you such an amazing life as well mm -hmm. um but that moment where you go okay there's this storm coming in you knew about it but you didn't know how fully it is until you're in it right because no one knows so what do you do on your boat when that moment comes what's the best thing and like I said it's not we're not talking about boating here but it's obviously the metaphor in life what would you do on your boat that could be used as the same metaphor in life when in you get situation? in yeah if you were getting into something that was beyond your control there's ways to scale back the power that the the wind has so you make you you pull your sails in you you make sure that you you know you prepare the boat you close down hatches you you take care of things you know you're putting on a life jacket you're preparing things that are safety 
oriented, you're taking care of yourself, you're being proactive and playing things through in your mind. How, if something happened, would I address it? And you don't, I don't think you do that same thing in life as much as you probably should, mm. but it is a good practice where you, you have certain procedures in place that if things are going to go wrong, here's what we're going to do. And, you know, you, you tweak it as you go, but at least you have a starting point of when the wind's too strong, you pull those sails down, you get, you know, you get everything put away. And um, I know even just in the, the, the trip that, I did when we first got the boat and we were 20 miles offshore and got into a, a gale. And so we had 54 knot gusts of wind coming mm -hmm. through. You couldn't see anything. I was watching lightning striking all around the boat. And, you know, when you're in a, a vessel with a huge metal pole mm -hmm. <laughs> sticking up into the sky, going, hey, here we are. <laughs> it's a little unnerving. Um, but, yeah. it, you know, we took it serious. We took it, everything that was electronic got put away into, you know, we put it in the oven to help protect it if we did take a lightning strike. Mm -hmm. um, everybody put their life jackets on. Everybody sat in the cockpit. Nobody touched anything metal. And that was an hour and a half of the the boat blowing everywhere and the, the just the dramatic effects of seeing how the wind was going it was a sheer wind horizontal the waves and every, you couldn't see where you were going i i mean i watched these two clouds form over us and when they collided it hit and it was mm. interesting that i got a, a screenshot of the weather pattern that we went through so i can see on a on a radar screen that storm exact storm and what it looked like and if somebody said you're going to go through that i'd be like no i'm not uh uh and, and there was no way to, I mean, you, you can only prepare so much. And, um, and I, you know, I learned a lot on that trip of, of how important it is and how, how fast things can change. Mm. And um, I think, you know, when that, when that storm passed, I will never, and I'm going to get choked up, but I will never, ever think I could see a sunset as beautiful on the water as I did that day, because those clouds, as we got through that and the way the sun came down through that and onto the water, the colors of the vibrant reds and oranges and everything, it was, it was one of those that's burnt into my memory. And, um, yeah. yeah, it was a very, very symbolic and spiritual experience. And see, and that's what I mean, because had you run, you would have missed that. Yeah. Had you run, you wouldn't have learned. Had you panicked, it's not going to, it's not going to create the momentum for you to get through it. If mm -hmm. I'm on your boat and I'm screaming and carrying on, <laughs> you probably have to slap me to get into it. So, you know, get a grip on yourself, Grace. We're going through this. And it's a matter of, like you said, you or you did the right things, but you went through it. Mm -hmm. You as much as, whether you have faith, whether you have hope, whether you know that you're looked over, whatever it is you believe in at that moment is just a matter of embracing yourself and getting through it mm -hmm. and seeing the sunset on the other side. Right. You know what I mean? And a lot of people, you know, this, this too shall pass. We hear that. 
behind every storm is a beautiful sunrise or a sunset, whatever it is. You hear of these metaphors, but it's it's it is in life. It is in life. Mm-hmm. We can't like people. You know, I, many mentors have said, and many people have said, you don't know um, happiness unless you go through pain. Mm-hmm. You don't know sorrow unless you go through. You know love or whatever it is, you know, goodness. Um, But it's just a matter of learning that life is going to give you challenges. Life is. And it's not up to you when you decide. You know, there's no such, I don't get a text message going, oh, Grace, by the the way, you're in about three days from now, you're going to go through a really bad trauma. You might as well embrace yourself. You know, the thing is you just got to go through, you got to navigate. And like you said, that storm, I I remember being in an – uh, an A380 plane uh, Emirates on my way from Milan to New York and, you know, the crew was sitting down, the cabin crew was sitting down yeah. and I was in the emergency exit so they're across <laughs> from me. So you watch them, you watch them and they're just talking about their nails and what they're going to do when they land in New York and I'm gripping. Like I think I think You I, left I, your nails I, behind. I left my nails behind. I think I I've I've imprinted myself in that seat, but I kept watching them. But when we landed, it was a tail end of a cyclone, I think it was, or something oh like goodness. that. Whatever they get. Yeah. It was a tail end of one. Now the thing is, we had no choice. Right. We had to sit, buckle up, and go through it. And as right. much as you know, I was gripping and they could have been panicking as well, but they can't show it. I don't know how crew <laughs> members are. You can't call them stew anymore. You've got to call them cabin crew. So I'm not sure if they were freaking out as well. But you get what I'm saying? But the thing is, yeah. they had to go through it as much as I had to go. I had no choice. It's not that the, ca- right. the captain said, hey, it's a tail end of a cyclone. Who wants to get out? Can get yeah. out. Yeah. You have to go through it. Right. And the thing is that moment, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel yeah. good. And it's learning to go, it's okay. I'm good. You know, even in the worst scenarios, you know, when I, I when I think of my father who was ill uh, with a with a uh, amyloidosis disease, um, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Everything in life, there is always the good the bad, but then the good again. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? In life, it's it's like that. And with the metaphor of the sailing, like I said, I really love that because, you know, the ocean is powerful. Mm-hmm. So look at it like that. Life is powerful. Guess what happens? You, like you said before, you are the most minute thing in that ocean. You are tiny. You are dropping the ocean like they say, but at the same time you have your own inner power. Right. Have that inner growth, that inner courage to say, I'm going to get through this. Even though I'm a drop in the ocean, I'm going to get through this. Even though I'm dropping, you know, I, I'm, I'm a small thing in life, in this world, I'm going to get through this. And I believe, whoever you believe in, but I believe if you were created, whatever you need is internally as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, we need external, you know, people to help us, but what we have is internal. And I and I strongly believe that it is, um, you know, it's important. It's important to to understand what you're going through and and deal with that in a, in a I'm not going to sit here and go be positive all day, you know, we, we have our moments. I always say, if you're going to be sad, I was sad just before 
but I just didn't unpack my luggage there. You know, you go through mm-hmm. things, you know what I mean? You just go through moments, but I don't unpack my luggage. Got my got my sad bit out of the way. Now I move on. And mm-hmm. that's what it is in life. So is there what else did you want to ask our, our listeners and our viewers want to know about you? I would say, you know, if if there's anybody that is going through a diagnosis or anything that's been traumatic in their lives and they're looking to supplement whatever medical um, treatment they're getting, if they're looking to do anything internally self-improvement wise, they need empowerment. They need to understand better that there are other people going through this, that there's support for them. Then listening to a podcast like yours or mine would would benefit them and mm-hmm. to hear these success stories I, it it was probably the hard part for me was being in a the funeral industry everybody i dealt with that had the same diagnosis as me didn't live mm-hmm. and that did a number on me and to learn Absolutely. that people get through this and people actually live past this um that was kind of shocking to me because I had mm. been so saturated on the focus being that nobody lived and I had to really mm. pull myself out of that. So it's good to hear the stories of people that are still fighting. And, you know, like I said, this August this year will be five years since I was originally diagnosed. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so there's going to be a big event <laughs> yeah. in August yeah. that I actually did that. There but you go. I also do little, little celebrations in, mm-hmm. in my day. Mm. And, you know, whether it's, it's indulging in something where I have to hear somebody else's story to get me through a day, whether it's something I do for myself, something special, I take time out. Um, I've been trying to work in a little bit more of the creative side and, and I actually am trying to learn how to play the ukulele just because oh, wow. I can, <laughs> since I'm in this tropical environment, I'm going to add the extra flair, but, um, you know, just doing something goofy and fun yeah, that has yeah. no benefit to anyone but myself. It's going to yes. be a personal victory that I do that. And it's, I think it helps your brain with all the stuff you've gone through. It gives yeah. you a little, a little break in the thought process, because I understand what it means when you're coming up on scans and doctor visits and everything, mm-hmm. how you can get caught up in that. And it just catches you. And it's so mm-hmm. hard to stop and walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think over time I will, it'll get easier, but mm-hmm. for right mm-hmm. now, I've been really trying to be more of the mindset of what am I doing today? That's going to make me happy. How am I starting my day? What focus am I having? How am I helping myself long-term with, with some of these things that have happened in my life so that I don't have to keep processing all of it? There are things that will come back, but well, how, how can I weed some of that out mm. and not have to deal with it anymore? And, um, and that's kind of where my focus has been. You know, the podcast keeps me busy. I'm sure you understand that. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and so there's, there's a lot of things that that have come out of this that have been so positive with meeting so many just amazing, outstanding people. Mm. And that's been so reassuring to me. And that's, that's what I'm hoping to pass along is, you know, that there's a lot out there for people and, and there are a lot of people that are out there wanting to help others. So yeah, that, you know, that's kind of what I was thinking. So 
Well, the thing is, too, we're, we're, we're blessed to be born at a time when we have things like this. Even through a pandemic, mm. we're able to speak to people. You're able to have a podcast. We're able to physically see people through Zoom or whatever platform you're using, things like that. And it really helps the other person because before that, no one knew. But I was about, I was also going to say, too, that um, like yourself, you know, bad news always travels quicker than good news. Mm-hmm. And I was, oh, yeah, my auntie's sister's uncle's daughter had it, but then she died. And it's like, uh, oh, yeah, I don't geez. need to hear that. You <laughs> no. know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My cousin, she went through it, but 20 years later she died from it. It's like, you know what, I don't need to hear all of that. I have actually don't need to be reminded Mm-mm. because I'm already reminded because my mother um, went through um, – Oh, how many years? My mother went through three years, three. She didn't even make five years. She went through three years, I think, before she got, she'd passed with cancer. But you know what I mean? But it's the thing is, it's like, well, it's a, you know, she didn't die of breast cancer. Um, but you know, she died of, I think it's cervical or uterus cancer or something like that. Mm. I keep getting it, that part wrong. Um, but you know, and I just think I don't need to be reminded, but no. I have to look at that and give myself strength and say, I'm not my mother. I'm not the mm-hmm. next person. Therefore, this is my journey. And like I say to people, you could survive cancer and they get hit by a truck. It's true because yep. none of us know when our contract's nope. up. None of us. Nope. We have no idea. So that's why we always say, you know, I, I always say as well, you know, you don't don't look at cancer as a death sentence. You don't know. You don't know. Mm-hmm. And if a and if a doctor, uh, my my surgeon, I remember her saying, I would never tell a person how long. And I said, thank you because right. um, you're a doctor. You're not God. Right. You know, um, but at the same time, it's like you give someone a sentence, they will fulfill that contract. Right. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. So, and one of them being my father, he was told 12 months and my sister kept reminding him. Oh, boy. You know? Um, yeah. yeah. So, and another friend who, well, I'll, I'll call him a close friend. You know, he was going through, I think, stomach cancer. He was told literally 15 or tw- 16 months and he pretty much Nailed it, yeah. Nailed it to the, you know, very close. So that's why I always say, you know, great, you know, if you ever, you know, some doctors want to tell you and I just think I don't want to know. Right. But um, but some of them just come out because they think, well, if I don't tell you, then you can sue me, blah, blah. Like if you ever yeah. get told, I always think just say to the doctor, great, thanks for your opinion, but that's your opinion. Right. You know, but right. I'm not going to take that on board. Right. Done. Because the moment you live that, you're just going to think, that's it. That's it. That's it. And before you know it, mm-hmm. that's it. Um, of course, God forbid, if you are at hospice level, different story we're talking sure. about. You know what I mean? But we're not talking that here. We're talking about inspiring others to go, you know what? I had it. Tick. Now I'm living the life that I've always wanted. Right. Right. You know, um, and I think that's really, really important. So um, I've had a pleasure of having you on my podcast. Thank you. Um, I really loved having you on my podcast. Was there anything else before we wrap it up that you want to share or say? No, I mean, outside of trying to find me, everybody can find me on social media or my website and uh, learn more about me or just follow along on my journey. Get to see lots of beautiful sunsets and sunrises, birds and water. Um, So yeah, if you want to see that aspect of it, I share those things as well. 
So. Absolutely. And I was going to share uh, on Instagram, Sailing Through Life podcast, on Facebook, Sailing Through Life podcast, and your website, sailingthroughlifepodcast.com. So having said that, thank you again for being on my podcast. I really appreciate your time. I'm jealous because you're on a boat um, <laughs> in sunny Florida. And um, and like always, I wish you to all my guests, uh, to all my guests and to all the people that have watched us and listened to us today. Like always, I wish you so much love and light. Thank you so much for joining me. I know you could have chosen any other show to spend your time with today and I'm really grateful and humble that you've chosen me instead and I hope I've been able to serve you in any way. You know, I hope this will become your go-to place to help you heal, feel supported and discover yourself along your hero's journey. And if this episode helped you today, please subscribe and share it with someone you know that would benefit from this. As I've learned about my hero's journey through breast cancer, nothing we receive is for us to keep but to be shared. And I hope I can serve you further by sharing some of the tools I've learned along the way. And it's hard for me to share it all in one simple episode. So if you go to www.theangelsofgrace.me forward slash resources right now, you can find a collection of tools that might be exactly what you need to take you on your hero's journey. And given that I don't know if you're listening to this podcast at the start, the middle or the end of the day, I want to wish you an amazing morning, an amazing afternoon or an amazing evening. I am Grace DeAngeli and you listen to the Breast Cancer Hero's Journey podcast. Thanks again for being here. Much love and light.